Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I want to introduce somebody to you that you already know very well. But this time the introduction is a little different. I want to introduce you to our newest associate pastor here at River of Life. I'd like for Dr. Bill Jenkins and his wife Linda to come to the stage. I'll tell you, God is up to something uh, good around this church. And one of the things, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you looked around, we're growing. Yeah, we're growing. And, and what we hope you will see in the days to come is uh, we'll continue to add pastors to the staff as we minister to this county. And we're expecting explosive growth. Now, Brother Bill, I didn't tell you this, but somebody asked me, if I was uh, thinking about stepping down or resigning, and I want to go ahead and say yes, but it's going to be when I'm about 85 years old. I just want to... <laughs> and, and between now and then, I'm uh, uh, just anticipating the joy. We've already worked together for about six months. I'm anticipating the joy of working with Brother Bill and Sister Linda. And I just want to tell you, uh, Chuck Coburn, uh, Diane Gray, Lori White, uh, Priscilla Lewis, and I are just thrilled to have these two by our sides and, and working with us. I'm going to give Brother Bill uh, a chance to say a few words here, and then if there's any time left, I will preach. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Coburn told me I had 45 minutes. <laughs> Quick story, years ago, Linda and I had just gone out of college in North Arkansas, and uh, God had called us to the First Baptist Church of Summersville, Missouri. And as a very young man, I wanted to be impressive, and uh, I memorized this speech. And in the process of that speech, I was telling them that God had called me there to be their spiritual spokesman, and that I really wanted to be a powerhouse for the glory of God. I got up and looked at the crowd. I became very confused and ended up telling that congregation that God had brought me there to be their spiritual outhouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was one of the best churches we ever pastored, by the way. <laughs> so I have prepared our remarks today with Linda's approval. I didn't approve that remark. <laughs> when Linda and I first attended... Uh, River of Life in July of last year, we never dreamed that this would be where God would place us to continue our ministry. We were hurting and searching for divine leadership, and from the first service, it was apparent that this was a church full of folks who loved Jesus and who would love us. As we've traveled across the country, we have had the opportunity to visit many different types of churches, and for those of you that this has been the only church that you've ever attended, you probably don't realize what a special church you have or a special pastor and staff or a special place of worship that the river of life is. We have been thrilled to be worshiping as members 
accepted by all. And now we're even more excited to be here as part of the staff and looking forward to what God is going to do. Our most exciting days are ahead of us. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your staff. You may be seated. Yeah, we're going to say we're going to say a, a lot of things about. How many of you have one of these cards? Hold it up. You see, here's one of the things we recognize, and this is one of the things we're so excited about in this church, and that's a personal invitation we want you to give away to somebody. And we have some more, I think, in the lobby. Um, we ordered a thousand of these uh, next Sunday. Uh, now it's not on the card, but we're just calling it Salvation Sunday. One of the things we're so excited about is Brother Bill has a, a, a very special gifting in evangelism. And the Bible says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers, and that's a calling on his life. We want to use that fully. And so here's what we want. We want you to go out and invite people, anybody you know who needs Christ. You can give them this card. You can ask them to meet you. We want to fill this place up. Now, we're pretty full right now. You might have to stand up next Sunday. But, but uh, we want you to pass this card out, and we want you to invite people to come, knowing that Brother Bill is going to stand in this pulpit. He'll preach an evangelistic message, and they will have an opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Say a few words, brother. Well, it's, uh, one of the things that Brother Henry has expressed uh, is his great desire to see people saved. And I hope and pray you can share that same burden. There are 30,000 people, according to the census that was done last year in Wakulla County. 30,000. And as wonderful as this great congregation is, we represent a small portion of them. In fact, if you put all of the churches together in Wakulla County, the amount of people that are going to church today represent only about one-tenth one-tenth of that 30,000 people. There are a lot of people that need Jesus. So next Sunday, uh, with your help, we're going to fill this building to overflowing. I'm going to be preaching a message out of John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, entitled, Why Will a Man Die in His Sins? Jesus Christ asked that question in John 8, 21, and again in 8, 24. And I want you to come. I believe it'll be a time when the Holy Spirit of God can take a message and break through even the hardest of hearts. But in order to get them in here, you've got to go out and get them. Amen? Jesus said, go and look into the fields. They're white into harvest. Pray that God would send forth those who would go out into the field and bring those back in that the harvest may be complete. We're excited about being here at River of Life. Uh, we're excited about the fact that Henry Jones is our pastor, and we're excited about working with this great staff. But more than anything else, I get excited when somebody gets saved. And next Sunday, by the glory of God, I'm claiming it, we're going to see a harvest of souls. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Psalm 107, verse 2. 
Psalm 107, verse 2. I want to encourage you to do something this morning that I can sum up in two words. So you won't have any trouble remembering what I preached about this morning. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Say something. That's it. Say something. Sometimes the Bible tells us that we need to be quiet and we need to be silent and we don't need to say anything. But the Bible also tells us that there are a few areas in life where we cannot be silent. Where we have to be verbal. Where we have to say something. We, uh, it is a requirement. It is a spiritual requirement. Psalm 107 verse 2 is such a passage. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's God's way of saying, if you're redeemed, you have to say something. You don't have the privilege of being silent. You have to speak up in that area. I'm sure you've heard this many times. We've all heard it. We hear it over and over. If you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. Now that's a slogan that was established by Homeland Security. And the reason they did that is because they wanted to communicate something to America. That we all have a responsibility to keep our communities safe and to keep our nation safe. And if you see something that endangers the lives of other people, you have to say something. Well, that's exactly what the Bible is saying in this passage of Scripture. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You see, our God is telling us that if you've been saved, say something. If you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy... Say something. If you know something that can save the lives of other people, you have to say something. You see, this is just one of those areas where you and I cannot be quiet. We cannot be silent. We have to say something. And I just chose Psalm 107 too because it's one of my favorite. But you could go just about anywhere in the Word of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell of His wonderful works, one passage of Scripture says. Another passage of Scripture says, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. Another passage of Scripture says, That he that winneth souls is wise. You see, the Bible just goes on and on, and it tells us all this stuff. It says that we are to make His praise known among the people. That we are to declare His glory among the nations. You can't declare His glory if you're not willing to say something. Sometimes we need to shout it from the rooftops. And by the way, all of the expressions I'm using now come right out of God's Word. Jesus said to His disciples on one occasion, what I share with you in secret, you'll need to share from the rooftops. Jesus was saying, I'm teaching you this stuff, 
but you will need to get on a high place somewhere and unashamedly tell the world what God is doing in your life. Friends, I want you to know God is a personal God. He speaks to us privately. He speaks to us intimately. But it cannot stay there. You have to get on a rooftop somewhere, somehow, some way, and you have to say something. That's what the Word of God teaches us. You just cannot be silent. Now I want to give you two scriptures that will really encourage you to say something. I believe these two scriptures will empower you to say something. Ecclesiastes 3.11 is the first one. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Now isn't that an interesting statement? He has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. The Bible tells us that God has put eternity into our hearts. That, that there is an eternal witness in the hearts of all men and women. Now, it's not so much so that they can comprehend, nor can you and I, the beginning to the end. But there is an awareness, there is a witness of eternity in the hearts of all people. And so, one of the encouragements to say something is when you say something about the glory of God, when you witness for the cause of Christ, you're saying something that lines up with something God has already put in man's heart. It's lining up with that. Now, it may not line up with what's in their head, but it lines up with what's in their hearts. Now, here's the second scripture. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? This all began, this whole thing of salvation and the Word of God, it began with the Lord. And was confirmed, that means that the disciples quoted it, repeated it, preached it, taught it, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. Those who heard Jesus began to speak it. And then it says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to His will. Do you understand what the Bible is telling us here? Jesus originally spoke the words, the disciples heard it, and then they confirmed it. They kept teaching and preaching the Word of God. And it says, while they were sharing it, while they were confirming it, the Holy Spirit was bearing witness with signs and wonders and various miracles. In other words, God got involved in their witness. Now, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And friends, I don't think it stopped with the disciples, do you? You see, the disciples heard the Lord and they quoted it. And those who heard the disciples are saying it. And it has passed down from generation to generation. And what you and I should understand is, is when we say something that stands up for our God, that stands up for the Word of God, when we say something that lines up with God's Word, not only is there an internal witness in the hearts of those that we're talking to, but there is an external witness of the Holy Spirit. When you witness to somebody, the Holy Spirit starts bearing witness with your witness. The Holy Spirit gets involved. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Well, why doesn't the Holy Spirit just do it on His own? Because that's not God's plan. He has committed unto us the words of reconciliation. That's the way it works. Uh, 
You want God to deal with somebody? You want the Holy Spirit to work in their lives with signs and wonders and and various miracles and gifts? Then you say something. You talk to them. You open up your heart. You open up your mouth. And you share with them. And when you do amazing things will happen. Now I do want you to understand this. They don't always happen right at once. Almost always there is a delayed reaction. Because our heads have trouble catching up with our hearts. But when we share our faith, God does something special when we say something. In John Bevere's book, Driven by Eternity, and I told you this story one time before, but I actually want to read it to you this morning. He says, I had a friend who years ago was a staunch atheist, or so he thought. He wouldn't allow anyone to witness to him. In fact, (coughs) excuse me. In fact, one day, he ripped a Bible from the hands of a co-worker, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it, and cursing the man and his Bible, he accused this Christian man of being weak and brainless. Later, after years of confessed atheism, the man suffered severe chest pains. Doctors opened him up, For exploratory surgery, they immediately closed him up and told him he had less than 24 hours to live. While he lay on the bed that night, he realized he was going to his eternal abode, and it was not at all where he wanted to end up. How did he know that? Could it be that he had eternity planted in his heart? Just as the scripture says of all mankind, for the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts, Romans 1.19 tells us. That night, my friend's heart stopped. He left his body and descended into deep darkness. The darkness was so thick that he felt he was wearing it. Not a glimmer of light could be seen. After falling for what seemed to be quite some time, he heard the horrifying screams of tormented souls. He was pulled by strong force right up to the gates of hell when suddenly he was able to retreat back to his body. He had been revived. The next morning, he called for the only Christian man he knew. The man that he jerked the Bible out of his hand and cursed and threw his Bible to the ground. His friend came and proclaimed the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Once the man had received Jesus Christ into his life as Lord and Savior, his friend prayed for his healing. Three weeks later, he walked out of the hospital. He lived decades more before he passed on to his eternal reward. He was a walking miracle. Oh, friends. You see, when we share our faith, People may react in what we think is a real negative way. I don't know about you. I mean, I've had some people respond to me negatively. I've never had anybody jerk a Bible out of my hand, throw it on the ground, step on my Bible and curse me. When people don't react to your witness very well, please don't act like the devil. Just keep loving them. Because even though their head is not aware of it, God is doing something in their hearts and the Holy Spirit may get involved a little bit later and the Spirit may be revealing things to them and you may be the very person they call to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, so you, want to be, you want to be careful. I think it was about, my figures may be off just a little bit, About 26 years ago, 
God laid it on my heart to talk to two rough construction workers in this county. I mean, they were, they were rough and tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. As a pastor, I felt intimidated in their presence. But the Lord laid it on my heart to witness, to say something. And, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think I did a very good job. But I do remember where I was. I remember where they were. I remember what they were doing. They were actually laying brick at the time. And I remember sharing my faith with them. I remember telling them they needed Jesus. And I remember getting zero response out of them. They didn't respond. And I felt rejected. And and I'm going to be honest with you. I've grown a lot in the Lord since then. But I was thinking, Lord, I must have missed you. I must have missed you. I, I thought you led me to go share with them. To tell them something about you. But they didn't respond at all. Here's what I want you to hear. Ten years later, early in the morning, my phone rang. And it was one of those men. I need to talk to you. I won't ever forget. I, I said, where are you? He said, I'm at your house. I said, you're at my house? Yeah, I'm at your house. I got up, turned the lights on, turned the coffee pot on, opened the door. And there was one of those men. And at five o'clock in the morning, he prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. He wept. I won't ever forget and tell me. He said, I never cry. But he wept. And he prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. The very next Sunday, he walked down the aisle of our church, made a profession of faith, got baptized. That was 16 years ago. Travis Perez, will you stand up? Praise God. Praise God. I want you to know he's one of the board members in this church now. He's one of the teachers in this church. He's a man of God. The Lord led me to witness to him, and it was ten years later before I had any clue that God had used my witness. I've grown up since then. I've matured in the Lord. Now I understand when people reject me sometimes, it's just that their head hasn't caught up with what God's doing in their hearts. And that the Holy Spirit's going to get involved and the Holy Spirit will do something. It was in the early 70s. I had another situation where the Lord gave me directions to share my faith. And, and, and friends, I want you to know, I know you hear me up here and you say, well, you're bold and you, you're not afraid of crowds and you don't mind getting up and standing in front of people. But that hasn't always been the case. This was before I became a pastor. I was horrified of crowds. I didn't like to speak out. But the Lord led me to share my faith with a group of men in Tallahassee. And they were not, they were not as nice as uh, Scooter and his brother. Boy, they talked ugly to me. They laughed at me. They made sport of me. They said some ugly things to me. But I knew God had, or at least I felt like God had told me to speak to them. There was one man in that group, I didn't even know who he was at the time, but there was one man in that group, and his father was famous, and they were wealthy, and he was one of the playboys in Tallahassee. He drove a a Corvette, he owned a nightclub, 
He was one of Tallahassee's playboys back in those days. Early one Sunday morning, my phone rang. He told me who he was, and I had to figure it out. I didn't even remember at that time. Now, he refreshed my memory, but I didn't remember sharing with him. He said, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, let's get together sometime. He said, I need to talk to you right now. He drove from Tallahassee. He drove to my uh, little 800-square-foot home in Sopchoppy. I'm serious, 800 square feet. And my wife and I were proud of that home. In our little living room, he got on his knees and wept before the Lord and prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. This was years after I'd shared that testimony. But I was the only person who had said something to him. I was the only person he knew to call. And he, he wept and prayed to receive Jesus in my living room. And when he got up, I said, okay, you got to go to church with me. He said, let's go. And I said, but before we go, i got to tell you, you got to walk down the aisle. He said, I'll walk down anything you want me to walk down. He, I said, but not only that, you got to be baptized. He said, okay, I'll get baptized. Now that's all I said. He came to church that morning. I wasn't pastoring in those days. We had another pastor. The pastor finished. He came forward. He made a profession of faith. And he turns around. He didn't know anything about church. He said, okay, where do I go to get baptized? And we said, well, we don't have the baptistry field. He said, Henry told me I had to get baptized. And he said, I want to get baptized. He said, I've had my hopes up ever since he told me that. We walked out of that church across the road to the Sopchoppy River and our pastor walked out into the river and baptized him right there on the spot. I remember saying, well, you don't even have any other clothes. He said, I don't care. Listen, when you've been in sin, when you've been in filth, when you've been in captivity, when you've been held by the enemy and God sets you free, it doesn't matter. You do whatever you've got to do. I want you to know he walked with the Lord for years. He finally moved out of the state. He would call me and talk to me uh, 15, 20 years later. He told me, he said, I'm going to church. Things are great. He, he served the Lord from that day forward. And then one day I got word he'd had a heart attack and died. But I'm thinking... I'm going to see him in heaven. I'm going to see him in heaven. Oh, friends, and I want you to understand something. I'm not all that good at it now, but I was absolutely lousy at it back then, witnessing, but you don't have to be good. You don't have to be good at it. Why? Because there's something in every man's heart called eternity. God has planted it there. And if you stumble over your words, as long as it lines up with that eternity that's been planted in their hearts and the Holy Spirit gets involved and I got to tell you a lousy witness filled with the Holy Spirit becomes powerfully dynamic doesn't it see you can do a poor job and souls will get saved and and, and I got to tell you it was uh, well I got two or three more illustrations but I want to share this with you if you are not keeping up with this you should be and I, and, and I want to encourage you, friends. I don't, I don't know what news network you follow. Fox News, CNN, ABC, NBC. I don't know what you follow. But I can tell you what I'm about to share with you, you won't hear on Fox News. And you won't hear on CNN. 
And you won't hear on any secular news broadcast. If you like the news and you want to stay up with the news, at least have one or two sources of Christian news to find out what's going on in the world, uh, in the area of Christianity. I read this headline. I've been keeping up this for a number of years now. I just recently read this headline. Muslims turn to Christ in unprecedented numbers. How many of you knew that? How many of you? See, not many of us. You know why? Because we're letting a secular world feed us all this stuff. Did you know that one of the greatest revivals going on in the world right now is among Muslims? It is amazing. Here's another headline. I just read this one uh, recently. Muslims turning to Christ, a global phenomenon. Do you understand? God's doing a work there. This was a statement in one of the articles I read. There are 360,000 believers in Iran. Just a few years ago, only 500. They are exploding. They're coming to Christ. Uh, Nazar Shaheen, the host of Light for the Nations, a Christian program aired in Muslim-dense areas, explained, these are his words, I've seen many, many uh, Arabic-speaking people turning to Christ, accepting Him as Lord and Savior. It's happening all over the Arab world. It's happening in North Africa. It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening in the Gulf countries. It's happening in Europe and Canada and the United States. In the Arabic-speaking world, everywhere people are accepting Jesus. And they're doing that at the risk of losing their lives. Why would they do that? This is where it gets interesting. Because somebody shared their faith with them. That's where it starts. Somebody said something. They heard a broadcast. They heard something. That's where it started. But that alone would not be good enough. The Holy Spirit gets involved. And this is part of the phenomenon. Is that these Muslims are reporting by the thousands... After they hear witnesses about the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord is supernaturally appearing to them in their dreams. Thousands of Muslims, and I challenge you, please don't take my word for this. I read this morning about ten different testimonies from Muslims who said that Jesus appeared to them in their dreams. To verify the witness that they had heard. Thousands of Muslims are reporting that Jesus is coming to them in their dreams and they are converting to Christianity. It's real. When you say something, it connects with the heart whether the head agrees with it or not. And when you say something for the glory of God and when you stand up and just say something, the Holy Spirit gets involved. And I want to tell you, where you and I have limits, the Holy Spirit has no limits. You say something, the Holy Spirit gets involved and all kinds of amazing things begin to happen. One reason we should say something is this. Because when we witness, it lines up with eternity that's been planted in the hearts of people. And when we witness, God gets involved with signs and wonders. I want to give you one more quick reason and then we'll close. Another reason why we should say something is this. And this should be a compelling reason. 
Seven times in the New Testament, we find this phrase, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'd like for you to leave that up through the remainder of my message, please. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, the Bible teaches us that those who die without Christ, those who die without Christ will be weeping. They will be crying out in torment. One more time, friends. The Bible says those who die without Christ will be weeping and they will be crying out in torment. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe there's a real heaven? Do you believe there's a real hell? Friends, if we believe the Bible, if we have been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe the Bible and we believe there's a real heaven and a real hell, then we have to say something. We cannot be silent. Albert B. Simpson was a poet and a songwriter. And he wrote in the 1800s. And he wrote a song. I had to do some research to find it. He wrote a song that goes like this. A hundred thousand souls a day are passing one by one away. Without a glimmer of hope. They have no hope. Think about this. A hundred thousand souls a day are passing one by one away. In Christless guilt and gloom, without one ray of hope or light, with future dark as endless night, they're passing to their doom. They're passing to their doom. The Master's coming draweth near. The Son of Man will soon appear. A thousand million still are lost. A Savior's blood has paid the cost. Oh, hear their dying cry. Oh, hear their dying cry. You see, friends, if we really believe this Bible, then there is a dying cry of those who are lost without Christ. We have to be motivated by that. You you see, friends, how can we not say something? How can we not say something when we know what lies ahead for those who die without Jesus Christ? How can we not say something? I want to to tell you, we should be tearing this county up with the news of Jesus Christ. How can we not say something? Uh, My wife and I, you'll be a little bit jealous. Uh, We had the privilege of going to Dr. Tom uh, and Teresa Walslager's home this past week. He cooks this wonderful steak. And, uh, well, anyway... uh, We were sitting at his table. It was a great time. And Tom told me a story, and I asked his permission to share this. He said recently his son was at his house, his adult son now. I know this is difficult, but he said, I took him out in the yard. And he said, this is what I said to my son. Son, I want to see you in heaven. He said, your grandparents are in heaven. I'm going to heaven. Son, I want to see you in heaven. I have to tell you, as he was telling me that, I was thinking about, oh, his head may not have agreed with it, but it was connecting with something in his heart. 
And then I was thinking, his dad said something, and the Holy Spirit probably said, yes, I've been wanting to jump on him. And now you've released me to go to work and start showing him things. You see, a dad that really believes that his son will die and go to hell without Jesus, he has to say something. He has to say something. Tom, I believe we're going to see some some good things out of that. I do. I believe we're going to see something good. One of the greatest, most godly women who ever lived in this county died in an old age, but she told me many, many times, I heard this story. I'd get her to tell me this story sometimes. She didn't just volunteer. I'd say, tell me one more time. She said when she was 16 years old, she stood by the bedside of her mother and held her mother's hand, and her mother was dying. And she said the last words I heard my mother say was, Mary, I want to see you in heaven. The last word she heard her mother say, Mary, I want to see you in heaven. And she told me those words became a guiding light for her. Her whole life. And now she's in heaven with her mother. Oh, friends, I tell you this morning, you have to say something. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to be polished. But you have to say something. You have to say something to your children. You have to say something to your family members. You have to say something to your neighbors. You have to say something to your, to your co-workers. You have to say something to your friends. That group of people you hang around with and you call your friends. Answer me. Tell me the truth. You call them your friends. But are you really their friend if you don't say something knowing what lies ahead for them for all of eternity? You're not a real friend if you don't say something. People, I tell you this morning, I believe this with all my heart. This is not pie in the sky. This is, this is reality at our fingertips, and it's a biblical responsibility. If this church will go forth and say something. Oh, friends, if we'll witness and share our faith, if we'll take a little card and say, hey, come to church with me, that's saying something. I've been praying for you. That's saying something. Oh, I think you ought to go through Brother Bill's uh, evangelism class and learn how to open your Bible and walk somebody all the way through the plan of salvation and, and lead them in the prayer for salvation. But between now and then, say something. Go out there and say something. If this church will go forth and say something, friends, hundreds. That's not an exaggeration. Hundreds. A thousand or more will be saved right here in this worship center. And God will do something special. River of life. In the name of Jesus. And for the love of God. Say something. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.